Before we get into today's conversation, we want to share a special opportunity with you. Do you want to equip students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission? Here's one simple way. Giving Tuesday. Giving Tuesday is on Tuesday, November 29th, and we at Southeastern Seminary are aiming for 500 gifts by the end of the day. Your gift, no matter how small, plays a critical role in preparing our students for ministry preparation around the world. And get this, every gift will be matched dollar for dollar on Giving Tuesday. So mark your calendars for November 29th and be part of fulfilling the mission through Southeastern. Welcome to Pastor Matters, the podcast of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We hope this conversation will both equip and encourage you to lead healthy churches that make disciples for the glory of God. Hi, I'm Brandon Ward. And I'm Ron Jorlach. We want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. Ron Jor, I know I usually express excitement for every conversation we have on this podcast. A little bit. But excited would be an understatement today. Today we are joined by a dear friend, a dear, dear brother of mine, Andrew Black. I've known Andrew for years now. Uh, We went to college. That's where we met. Actually, we met before college uh, for Andrew. Andrew, I think you were in high school. I was in college. But we both met working at a local Lifeway store. And our friendship since then has been one that has just been strong. It's been such an encouragement for me. And so I'm so thankful for Andrew joining us. That was the unofficial bio. The official bio is Andrew Black serves as senior pastor at Hopewell Baptist Church in Little Rock, Mississippi. He is currently a distance learning student here at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary and is looking to graduate next Christmas. That's exciting. Brother, thank you so much for for joining us. It's such a joy to have you come in and talk about a topic that I know is near and dear to your heart. It's near and dear to our hearts, and that is the topic of adoption. Yes, thank you for having me, and I'm looking forward to this as well. So let's start with you sharing your recent adoption journey. I know it was a very long process that had many ups and downs. So why don't you take some time just to walk us through what what, what went on? Sure. I know back in... January of 2021, my wife, Rachel, and I, we were seriously considering starting the adoption application. And since we've been married for almost six years now, so we have always had a conviction for adoption. And when 2021 rolled around, we were really considering it. So we started the application in the beginning of 2021. And it was actually a funny story. Whenever we completed the application, all we had to do was hit submit but um, it was late at night, and we said, well, let's pray about it, and in the morning, we'll, we'll do it. We'll do it. And so I close the laptop, and the next morning, I wake up, and I open my laptop up, and I see that it had already been submitted. So the decision was, was made <laughs> then and there without us actually hitting submit. But that gets us started, and we went through the home study process from February of twenty one through the summer. And then after that, we began matching in July of 2021 and our adoption agency, uh, it's Lifeline Children's Service. So we had a unique situation for sure, but 
the primary ministry for for Lifeline uh, domestic adoption. We did domestic is uh, ministry to the birth mothers. So we actually went through this matching process with birth mothers throughout the United States. So we were in that process for about a year, and we were actually matched back in May for the first time. And we actually went to the hospital and thought that we were adopting a a baby girl. And it turns out that that actually fell through. And we'll talk more about that later. But we we continue on and we found out late in June of this year that we were matched with a birth mother and she was due in August. And on August 22nd, we were able to uh, go to the hospital and meet and welcome our son. And now it's October and on October 22nd, he'll be three months. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of a flyover (laughs) of the journey that we've been on. It's been a long one, not as long as a lot of people's, um, but it has been easy, but it has definitely been worth it. Mm, That's so good, man. Uh, So what advice would you give to pastors and and churches on how to care for families uh, who are starting uh, the process or maybe they're in the middle of the process? And uh, you could answer this as well, you know, even post adoption, like once they've gone through the process and everything, what what advice would you give pastors uh, as they care for families on on any part of the journey? I would say familiarize yourself with the adoption process. Learn about the adoption agency that your adopted families are going through because you have domestic adoption. You also have international adoption. And uh, those are two different animals. We, we know that there are certain laws and there are certain regulations for domestic adoption. And um, if anybody who has been through international adoption, they will agree that international adoption, it is completely different in regards to the steps, um, the requirements, and uh, the international laws. So regardless of whether it's domestic or international, I would say familiarize yourself with the adoption process. Familiarize yourself with what the families are, are going through and the steps that they have to go through. Because it is taxing, it it takes a long time, and um, they absolutely need support. And I would also say encourage the the church body to support them, specifically through prayer. But also, I think it's a good thing for church members as well as pastors to ask adoptive families what specific needs they're going to have and how they can meet those specific needs, whether, whether that be cost, because we know that adoption is very costly. We know that adoption is an emotional roller coaster. We know that there are a lot of ups and downs. So there are a lot of things initially early on in the process and even through it that pastors as well as church members can do that are helpful to adoptive families. And I believe that are very encouraging to adoptive families. And while we're on the subject, I know we talk a lot about in the adoption process and and before placement, but there are a couple of things I'd like for us to talk about concerning post-placement, post-adoption, because we know that uh, the journey is not over whenever um, a family adopts a child. It, it's actually just beginning. Right. And uh, my goodness, even more so for the adoptive family to, to need the church body. So there are just a couple of resources that I'd love to uh, go ahead and, and mention for pastors and churches as well that can help equip their members to effectively serve families post-adoption. So like I said, we went through Lifeline Children's Services and they have a phenomenal website and I would highly recommend their resources to any pastor and any church member that 
has a family that's in their church that's going through adoption. And there is something called Equipped to Love. It is the Equipped to Love resource, and it is a free course that churches can take, pastors can take, that show how we can effectively serve adopted families and their children concerning post-placement. Because a lot of times the things that we really want to do with new children that are in our church that have been adopted are things that we really shouldn't do. Because if you think about somebody who has not adopted a newborn, but maybe they've adopted somebody who's eight years old or, or nine years old, um, you know, there are attachment issues. Um, parents need to attach to their child and their child needs to attach to them. They need to understand who, who mom and dad are. And a lot of times what church members want to do are not necessarily what they need to do post-placement. They, they want to run and they want to go and, and hug the child and, and, and give them all of these gifts. And what we need to do is just kind of take a step back and, and recognize that, well, this is all new for the child. This is all new mm-hmm. for the parents and the mom and dad and, and, and child. They need to bond and, and, and there are attachment issues there. So that resource, it, it really details how church members can effectively minister and serve adoptive families post-placement. Mm. Mm, that's really good, man. And I love how you, you you talk about pastors just needing to familiarize themselves with the process because it right. can be long. It can be taxing. There's a lot there. Mm. And not just focusing on the pre or in the process or even you know up until placement, but even after. And there's a real opportunity to come alongside and shepherd and care for families but also to do that for the, the the child that has been adopted, you know. In your case, it was a it was a newborn, but that's not always the case. And and so there's a real opportunity for churches to come alongside kids that are coming from a sometimes a really rough background and be able to come alongside them and love them and care for them well. And you know, you've you've shared a little bit, and this might be a good spot for you to share a little bit more about it. But you know, the the, the adoption process isn't just I click submit and I wait to be paired. It is. It can be very difficult. Uh, and y'all's y'all story. There was a time where you thought, man, we're we're gonna have a kid, and you you went there, and uh, it didn't it didn't work out. So why don't you share a little bit about that and what you and and your wife Rachel were able to do in that moment? Absolutely. Um, back in May. Uh, my wife and I, we were sitting at the dining room table and we found out that we were matched with this wonderful uh, birth mother. And it was actually the next day we hopped in the car and we packed our bags and we drove to the hospital to um, to meet what we thought at the time was our our daughter. She was going to be our daughter. But throughout that process, we got to know the birth mom. We got to know her family. We got. We actually got to know the birth father as well, and we we found that this is such a unique opportunity, and it is so much bigger than us. It's even so much bigger than us and our desire for a child, because we walk into this hospital room and we see this scared birth mother who is confused, who um, really doesn't know what to do. Uh, this was an unplanned pregnancy, and she was just utterly confused and distraught and we are brought into the middle of that situation. And we are so thankful for that opportunity because it was during that time we got to spend several hours with her and her family, uh, just talking about her life, um, what she enjoys doing, what her hobbies are. 
and um, she was a young lady. So there, there were a lot of things there that we were able to uh, relate to because, you know, it wasn't that long ago. My wife and I were, were students and we, we came to the recognition that, my goodness, birth mothers, they often get a bad rap. A lot of times they are seen as these monsters that do not want their children they just want to get rid of them and they don't deserve compassion. And, and I would argue that the opposite is true. It was through that experience that we actually got to see the amount of love that this birth mother had for her child. And at the moment, she thought that the best course of action was for another family to come and to uh, care for this baby. And we actually got to, um, to take the baby home for uh, a day or to the hotel room for a day. And of course, there's a whole legal process there with the state that we were in that the mom had a certain amount of days before she would have to terminate rights. And we knew that. But as we saw 24 hours later, we got the call saying that, well, she's she's wavering and she is um, deciding to to parent. And and obviously we were we were crushed and it was extremely painful. Mm -hmm. Um, However, through that pain and. Uh, through experiencing that, we really got to see the love that mothers have for their children. Mm-hmm. And it was also a unique opportunity to show them and, and also to tell them about the love of the Savior. Yeah. And even as we were giving their baby back, uh, we, we were able to, to look at them and, and to tell them, look, guys, I know you are full of guilt and full of shame. And I know you guys remember yesterday when we told you that we love you. We love both of you. And they looked at me kind of confused. I said, well, let me tell you that that hasn't changed. Our love for you has not changed. It's, it's not dependent upon whether or not you give us a child. We love you because we have been loved perfectly and unconditionally by the Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I want you to know that there is grace and there is mercy that is found in him and we were able to encourage them to uh, to parent this this child, and we were able to have a quick time of prayer with them. And then we departed, and we haven't heard anything from them since. So there was a lot of pain. There was a lot of uh, questioning during that time. However, we were able to gain very valuable insight to the life of a birth mom. Mm-hmm. And it's during those times that we recognize that this is a lot bigger than us and, and even our wants and our desires for a child. We are put on this earth to glorify the Lord Jesus. And if he sees fit to put us through that situation for the sake of making his name known and comforting and ministering to a scared young birth mom, even if we leave without a baby, it it's worth it. And, and it is okay uh, because I believe that um, there is something much greater that will come out of this that we will probably not be able to see on this side of eternity. But we live with that hope that there will come a day in eternity where we will be able to have a wonderful reunion with them, including their child, and and look back on this day and just see exactly how God used it. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting when you when we think about pastors and um the the responsibility that pastors have to shepherd uh, you know couples and so on as they go through a process like adoption uh we we may think about the end game you know that 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 they have a child 
and 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 in a lot of cases, like you said, that's not even the end game. That's that's the beginning. <laughs> that's the start of the game, if you will. Uh, you know, as they as they then you know journey through a life of parenting. Um, but in the in the process and and um, in the securing of a child and and then in the parenting of a child in every single one of those, uh, it's it, what you what you're saying here kind of brings up some really important points that that there are a lot of things that are going on, uh, not just in the process, but there are a lot of things that are going on in the couple themselves, you know, uh, and even those uh, in those um, the situations and in those in the process, uh, there are opportunities, like it or not, for the enemy to to to, to pounce. You know, so you, you don't have a child and, well, you know, it's because you're not good enough, you know, or it's because, you know, you said that one thing in that one interview and that just screwed everything up and, and, yes. and, and all of that. Um, you think even about couples that are experiencing infertility and they're going through adoption because, you know, they're not able to have children themselves and, uh, and, and the, all of the emotions and all of the, the, the voices that they hear in their heads as well. Pastor, you have an opportunity to intercept those uh, and and really to counter those with the uh, the words and the promises of Scripture. Uh, remind them what the Lord has said, and remind them you know what the Lord uh, what the Lord has promised. He didn't promise you know that uh, that that you would bat a thousand uh, in the adoption process. He never promised that, but he did promise that uh, he would be with you, mm-hmm. and he did promise that he would uh, continue to mold you and shape you into Christ's likeness. And even those those sufferings, I, I, I just w- was really encouraged by hearing how you um, and, and your bride took that as an opportunity for the gospel. Right. Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, that's, pastors, you have the opportunity to speak into uh, those moments uh, and, and to help you know, couples see that in the in the the joy of having a baby, and in the sadness of not having a baby in the process, yeah. uh, all moments, every moment is a gospel moment. Yeah, and Pastor, be aware. <clears throat> you know, the couples that are in this adoption process may not share everything with you. Mm-hmm. They might not share that down that mm-hmm. they just they just endured. But that does not exclude you from being there for them and, and seeing how you can serve them and seeing if there are moments that they you need to come alongside them and, and lift them up and commend them for, for the way that they're handling it. So just really good opportunity there. One of the things you mentioned just a second ago, Andrew, was just the the cost of adoption. Yeah. Uh, we know adoption can be very costly. Mm-hmm. So what are some ways churches can help families with the financial burden of adoption, and, and what other tips would you share with families who are struggling with the cost of adoption? I would say that this is a wonderful opportunity for the church to build itself up and to do what the church is called to do, especially when it comes to helping with the financial burden of adoption, because we know it is extremely costly. So I would say churches, open your hearts up and be generous, <laughs> be generous, because we see that uh, this is a worthy cause. This is something that is deeply biblical, and it is something for us to exhaust our resources on. So anything from from love offerings, I would also encourage churches to set up an orphan care slash adoption fund for adoptive families and foster families, um, anything in regards to orphan care. I would even say to churches to offer up your facilities to um, host a fundraiser 
whether that be a silent auction or a rummage sale, you can do that. And it's really not difficult logistically. I would also say give your church members and, and pastors uh, allow your church members to um, to bless the adoptive family in, in other ways um, that that may not be specifically a love offering or, you know, a, a, a check in the mail specifically. But, you know, for example, with my wife and I, we, we had to go across the country to um, to get our son. And we were in this this state for 10 days. So we had a couple in our church who paid for our uh, car rental. Mm. Uh, we also wow. had a church member who had tons of travel points that he had saved up in regards to his work. His work takes him all over the place. Well, he gave us his travel points. And for 10 days, we had to pay almost next to nothing wow. on our lodging. So there are creative ways that the church can provide for the needs of adopted families. And I would also say, for anybody who is in the adoption process and that is looking at this massive financial burden in front of them, there are matching grants out there. Mm-hmm. There are organizations out there that provide grants, provide matching grants that take a huge chunk out of the, uh, the financial cost. So I would say research that, look into that, ask your adoption agency about matching grants and Churches, you are able, you have the capabilities to open up your own matching grant through certain organizations. So I would say look into that as well. Yeah, and you and Rachel did something that was, was pretty unique too. Y'all, y'all made T-shirts. And, yeah, and, and absolutely. That. Yeah, that's cool. And and one thing to keep in mind too is just realizing families this can feel awkward about asking for money to, to, to help with these things. So the church should really lead the way in serving them and helping them in this way or in ways that you even mentioned, or even, you know, especially in the case of a newborn, because we've been there, Ron Jor, you've been there, mm-hmm. where you get there and you're like, oh, man, mm-hmm. I don't have time to cook dinner. I don't have time to sleep. Yeah. I don't have time to do anything. Uh, and so coming alongside the family, providing meals, providing mm-hmm. date nights, mm-hmm. uh, because life, the instant uh, you become a parent. Life is just different. Yeah. It's just different. Yeah. I remember at our, our church back in Texas, we we never went through adoption, but just as parents, uh, young parents um, with very, very young kids. And uh, I was uh, at work if, or class or wherever I was, and um, there was a knock at the door while Annie and the kids were at home. And she opens up the door, and it was a handful of of the senior ladies at our church, uh, with with aprons and and gloves and mops and all of. They this. were ready to go to work. They were ready to roll, <laughs> and and they uh, they I forget what they called themselves, like the old ladies cleaning crew or something like that. And um and Annie was just like, "What are you doing?" And they just said, "We just wanted to be a blessing to you. Mm. We know that y'all are working hard, and we're just so grateful for y'all, and so grateful for." Uh, how y'all are loving the church and serving the church, and we just wanted to to show our our love for you. And so they came in and they got to work cleaning you know cleaning the house. Annie calls me and she's in tears, just going, "I don't understand what's happening right <laughs> right now." Right. Um, but churches have those opportunities to to love and to serve uh, and to and to help out. You know, um, this is this is part of the bearing one another's burdens. You know, uh, even in kind of a small practical way. Uh, that we see in Galatians 6. When it comes to adoption, we, you know, we've talked a lot about how 
churches and pastors can serve the families that are in that process. But but how can they go even further and not just help families in the church, but the community as a whole? What mm-hmm. are some ways they can do that? Absolutely. I would say um, to reach out to your local pregnancy resource center and ask how you can partner with them, how you can serve alongside them. I would also say see if your church can possibly mobilize a pregnancy counseling team mm-hmm. for mothers within your community. That That is a fantastic way to uh, provide immediate needs for mothers who are in less than ideal situations. It's an opportunity for you to get to know them, to uh, serve them, and actually to, to help them through this process. And I would also say consider uh, fostering. Uh, we, we've talked about adoption a lot today, but I would, I would also say consider fostering uh, with, within your state because the reality is, is that there are over 500,000 children in the U.S. today that are in the foster system. So there are so many ways that we can go that extra mile and make that extra step in mobilizing our people in regards to, to orphan care. So those are just some very practical ways. Most of our communities have pregnancy resource centers. So I would say go and make yourself available to them and let them know that you are available in any way possible to uh, to serve them and to serve uh, expecting mothers in your community. That's a good word. That's a good word. What um, we, we mentioned earlier, uh, birth moms, you talked about uh, the mother of uh, the the baby that uh, decided to keep the the child, um, and and obviously you've you've had that experience. But but going through the process more than once, you've had you know multiple opportunities to minister to uh, to birth moms. Uh, what are some ways that that the church can reach and care? Uh, for birth for birth mothers and and I know uh, you you did something I've heard uh, something very special for uh, your your son John Owen uh, whom you adopted uh, you could share a little bit about that as well yeah absolutely I know um, like we were talking about earlier with birth moms and just the perception that a lot of people have with them I, I would say pastors encourage your people and and strive to cultivate a a culture of love for birth mothers because we see that they are most every time in a situation that is, is broken. It is far less than, than ideal. The last thing birth mothers need is for us to condemn them about the choices that they, they have, they have made. They don't need us to reinforce the, uh, the decisions that they've made. What they need is, for the body of Christ to come and to to love them and to serve them and to minister to them. I know with Rachel and I, in our specific context with John Owens, birth mom, we, we love her dearly. And, and we were, we were able to tell her, thank you because without going into too many details, we quickly found out the situation that, that she was in. And there were a lot of circumstances that, she was born into that. Mm. There were a lot of circumstances that she could not help that she was in and she was not able to adequately provide, uh, for John Owen. And we were able to tell her, thank you for this selfless decision that she was making. I mean, think about how selfless of a decision that is to love this child enough that you are willing to place him in the care of another family, knowing that that is 
what is best for him. Mm-hmm. There is so much love coming behind that. And we were able to tell her, thank you. And also, um, in seeing her for who she truly is and, and honoring her in that way, it makes it so much easier to share the gospel with her. Yeah. I know, I think we've heard the quote, we can't evangelize those who we demonize. And so mm. often we demonize these birth mothers and it hinders us from sharing the gospel with them. Yeah. So it is so, so very important that we see them as somebody who is made in the image of God. And yeah. though they're in this this situation that is less than ideal, that has fallen and broken, we have this this wonderful opportunity to um, come alongside them and to love them and support them. And there are birth mothers in our communities that we can do the very exact same thing too. And I know with, um, with our, our birth mom, we, we were able to, um, you know, take, take a picture with her, um, with John Owen in, in the picture as well. And we actually have this photo hanging up in his nursery. Mm. And, um, as long as John Owen is, is in our house and as, as long as we're we're with him, we we get to show him, buddy. Look look at your birth mom. Look at uh, how much she loves you and and what she did to ensure that you have um, the life that you have today. Mm-hmm. So looking for ways to honor birth moms like that, it goes yeah. a long way. And just making your people, pastor, making your people aware of that, um, it can cause your church to be so much more effective in. Um, your gospel witness to these 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 ladies. Yeah, and in, in this day and age, there's you, there's a certain rejoicing that takes place mm. that that these mothers are putting them up for adoption rather than mm. aborting them. And so, mm-hmm. uh, church the church should should rejoice and look for ways, be eager to look for ways to serve these birth moms. And and just have loved hearing what you and Rachel were able to do with this with this birth mom and just having that sweet time. I think you 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 shared that with me that she was hesitant at first, but y'all were able to give her a gift, and she ended up being able to to bring y'all into the room and just having a sweet time where y'all were all able to to just talk, even though it was really brief. Just having that moment, just to to connect with her. Absolutely, we weren't expecting that because um, it was it was pretty closed off at first. But we did we we prayed for just an opportunity to be able to meet her, and sure enough. The Lord and His providence, He He allowed us to do that. It was only about a five or six minute meeting, but we were able to have just a sweet time with with this birth mother and to have a time of prayer with her and um, just telling her thank you and that we we love her and that we are going to be praying for her and and we hope and we are still hanging on to the hope that we will have somewhat of a relationship with her in the future. Um, obviously, um, our agency does a very good job in protecting adoptive families and birth families, and they are good mediators in our correspondence with them. So um, we're still holding on and we are still praying that she will reach out to our agency and we will be able to um, have some type of contact with her. Hmm. So got two more questions here and I want to I want to ask this question because it's very important and I want both of you to, to kind of speak into this. What can the Bible teach us about adoption. We know it's not silent on this. So what are what what can we learn from the scriptures about adoption? Absolutely. Before we get into the rejoicing over adoption, I want us to actually take a step back and recognize that there actually needs to be an appropriate amount of mourning over adoption. Yeah. Because the reality is is that adoption is here 
and real in this world because something is fundamentally wrong. Mm -hmm. Adoption stems from brokenness. Mm -hmm. If you think about that, if, if parents did not pass away, if, if there were no unwanted pregnancies, if, if there were no situations that led to adoption, there would be no need for adoption. And we know that that would only take place in a world that is not uh, ridden with sin and is facing the consequences of sin. So it's so easy for us to uh, to look at adoption stories and to uh, to see the, the family getting off of the airplane and having having their family meet them with signs and being this huge celebration and and all of this joy and and wow we don't need to take away from that joy of adoption because the bible is clear on that uh, we need to recognize that adoption is a reality uh, because this world has fallen mm-hmm. uh, because um, there is brokenness in this world so there needs to be an appropriate amount of balance in rejoicing as well as as mourning over the reality of adoption. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, um, you know, the 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 problem of sin uh, in the world, the problem of death in the world, uh, you know, the the curse uh, that's over the world. Uh, you know, we we live in a world that should be a place of of incredible resources uh, for everybody. Uh, but unfortunately, we live in a world where that's not always the case uh, because we live in a fallen world. And so you have people that just simply cannot take care of, of a baby. Uh, they don't have the, the resources to care for a baby. Um, you have, as you mentioned, uh, the problem of sin and the problem of evil that there may be a mom that does not want to be a mom. Uh, you know, she does not want a, a kid. She mm-hmm. may believe that having a kid will ruin her life. Um, and, and, and so you have, you know, even those heart issues that are going on as well uh, with, with, uh, uh, with many cases. And, and so, yeah, there are just all of these things that, that speak to the fallenness of our world. Uh, and yet you see in there the incredible grace of God. The incredible Absolutely. grace of God that that uh, that our Lord would, in His providence, raise up another family uh, to say, "Hey, we will set our love on you, and we will care for you, and we will bring you into our our family as a son, as a daughter, uh, and and we will, uh, you know, we will walk with you in in this life, and we will raise you, and 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 Lord willing, we will give you all that you need so that you will flourish in this world. Uh, that's the grace of God, and and you say, where does that come from? Well, we know from the scriptures that that comes from the very heart of God. God himself, uh, that God would see us in our brokenness, uh, that he would see us in our need, uh, that he would see us in our poverty, you know, and, and, uh, he would see us, you know, living in the, under the curse of death and, and God could just look at us in that situation and say, well, you know, uh, that's what you get. You shouldn't have turned your back on me. You know, you, you, you know, you're just like your daddy, Adam, uh, you know, that, you know, this, this is, this is the consequence and you're going to have to live in it. Uh, he could have done that and he would be totally right in doing so. But we know from the scriptures that that's just not the God that he is, you know, that, uh, he's a God who is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And, and that he would send his son, which I always love, you know, is that, uh, this wasn't, uh, a, a one way thing. 
saying in terms of the father, you know, wanting uh, to have uh, children, but maybe the son didn't really want siblings, you know, or anything like that. No, this is this is God, you know, uh, the the triune God working, uh, you know, in you know, uh, in a united front, if you will, uh, to uh, to bring into his family sons and daughters. And I remember when the Lord said in his resurrection, uh, you know, where he said uh, to the disciples in the book of John that he calls them uh, brothers. <laughs> and and I just think about that all the time, that, that the Lord, uh, you know, would come to us in his resurrection and say, you're family now. Uh, you are my brothers. You are my uh, you are my sisters. Uh, you know we are family. We have the same father, uh, and and yeah, all of that is is on the table. And even as we see from the New Testament, not only then as sons and daughters, uh, you know, do we get a place at the table. But we get an equal share of the inheritance. Uh, you know, the Lord would pray in um, in John seventeen. You know that that the world may know that uh, that the that the Father has loved us even as He has loved Him. Uh, and so you think even about that in adoption, the Lord is saying to the to the world. I mean, you just. It almost feels heretical to say it, you know, but Jesus himself says it, you know, John 17, 23, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Uh, that's adoption, <laughs> that he would take us and bring us into his family, and he would set his affection on us in the manner that he has set his affection on his very eternal, right. <laughs> very God of very Absolutely. God's son. I mean, that is that is the most astonishing, <laughs> uh, you know, miracle uh, that he would love us so. And so, yeah, out of the outflow of his being an adopting God, uh, you know, he raises us up uh, in, uh, in in many uh, of us to uh, to love and to share that love uh, with others in adoption. Caring for the adopting and the adopted is not negotiable for the church. When we that's that is absolutely one hundred percent evident in the scriptures, and and to be honest, our our pro life ethic it, it continues to be put on full display. Uh, when we when we show deep care for the orphan and for the vulnerable, and I really appreciate both of you bringing that out from the scriptures. And mm-hmm. I love John one twelve when it says, "But to all who did receive him, who believed mm. in his name, he gave the right yeah. to become children of God." Yeah. And that picture that we see here is that once the people alienated from God, this triune God and what He has done willingly, and what the son has accomplished on our behalf through his work on the cross and and through the empty tomb that we receive the right to be Mm -hmm. called children of God. And Ron Jory, you painted that so well and how God, he not only sees us as, as children of his, but he treats us as children of his. And I believe that, it completely transforms anyone who has been adopted into the family of God. And as we see that there is so much application for us on this earth, um, as a result of our standing with God as adopted sons and daughters, I, I love uh, branding. You were alluding to it at James one twenty seven. pure and undefiled religion is caring for the widows and the orphans. And because of what we have experienced, because we have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters, 
we now have that 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 beautiful uh, picture, and we can actually put legs to that um, in this world with um, you know physical orphans and and and, and widows today, and, and that is non negotiable for the church. Yeah, yeah, that's good, man. Wanted to mention real quick, David Platt, this semester did mm-hmm. a, a, a chapel message on adoption. So I would encourage any of our listeners that would be interested to go back and, and check that out. I, I said, what, you know, two more questions. I've got a, an extra question here. Why, why did y'all <laughs> name him John Owen? Well, you know, um, at first I was, I was really wanting to name my son after one of the uh, patristics. You know, I kept mentioning Polycarp or Ignatius to my wife, but she wasn't going for that. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so whenever I mentioned John Owen, she she kind of shot up and said, "Wow, that that's a that's a really good name." And obviously, she she knew who John Owen John Owen was, but um, definitely uh, an easier name to pronounce than some of the uh, yeah. patristics. I'm just but, glad you didn't yeah, name I, him after Nick Saban. That's that's all. Uh, I oh yeah. Yeah, we're not doing that. We're, we're, there are limits. There are limits in my allegiance to uh, Alabama football. So, <laughs> uh, Any final words of encouragement, brother, for, for listeners who might either be considering adoption or that might even be in the process? If you are praying about going through the adoption process and, and becoming adoptive parents yourself, um, I, w- I want to encourage you to, um, to follow through with, with obedience. Um, Chances are that the Lord has convicted you to do this. And if, if you are contemplating this, it, it is a very good chance that uh, the Lord desires for you to do this. So I would say consider it and trust in the Lord's providence and uh, and do it. Um, it's not easy. It, it, it is full of uh, trials. It is full of uh, emotional roller coasters. But it also brings some of the greatest joy in life. And a, a huge hangup that a lot of people get is the finance, uh, the financial burden. I just want to encourage you that, listen, the money will be there. God will provide. Mm. I can't tell you how many times my wife and I opened up our mailbox and th- there is a check um, with the exact amount that we needed for this specific payment or somebody that I haven't talked to in five years shows up on my doorstep and said, Hey, I see that, that you're adopting. I just want to, to bless you with, with this. And, and they give us the exact amount of money that, that we need. Listen, people specifically the Lord's people, your brothers and sisters in Christ, they desire to rally around you. They desire to provide for you. So God, he will provide, he will provide this financial burden will be taken care of. So don't let that stop you. And also going through the adoption process, I want you to recognize that God will produce so much Christ likeness in you uh, through the trials and, and, and through the hardships and, and through the moments where you are going to have to uh, lay aside your wants and your desires for the sake of others and uh, for the sake of, of the glory of God, God will produce something in you that may not necessarily be a reality if you were going through uh, an easy <laughs> phase in life. And he will refine you. And I don't want you to to miss out on that opportunity uh, if you are considering adoption. I know not everyone is called to adopt. We, we recognize that. Not everyone is called to adopt. However, everyone 
who's a part of the body of Christ is called to orphan care. And there is a valuable part that each and every one of us can play in seeing that through. That's a good word, man. I encourage our listeners to pray for Andrew. There's still three, uh, you said he, John Owens, three months, came into this three podcast months. interview with spit up all over him and he still rocked it. <laughs> Uh, Well, that'll do it uh, for this conversation. This is one of many resources we are planning to produce on this topic. Andrew, brother, thank you so much for joining us for today's conversation and sharing your story. I'm so grateful uh, for you, brother, and just your faithfulness. And we want to thank you, listener, for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. If you found this episode helpful, uh, consider leaving us a five-star rating and review. We'd love to hear any feedback you'd be willing to give us. As always, it is our mission at the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership to equip and encourage pastors. And I hope we've done that today with our conversation. And as always, brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain.